This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Hey, this is exciting. My guests today, well, first off, there's two of them, so it's double the fun. They are naturally very funny people. They're also very kind and warm people, and I I really enjoyed chatting with them. It's funny because, you know, I interviewed my wife a few weeks back, and that was a really rare occasion for us. But this couple that I talked to today, they seem to love being interviewed, and they do it really well, even if they are from Zooming from different places, uh, probably different parts of their house, but I don't know. But my guests today are Seth Rogen and his wife, Lauren Miller Rogen. So listen up, lean in. I'm glad you're here. I am super excited today to have... Lauren Miller Rogan and Seth Rogan on the podcast. Uh, you guys are the first couple that we've had. You're probably not going to be surprised to hear that. Uh, and it's also a little bit coincidental because the second podcast that I'm going to do today, I'm going to interview my wife, which should be interesting. Um, you know, I, I, I mean, good, good luck with that. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe this is a good warm up. Yeah. I don't know what you did exactly. there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I mean, listen, you, you know, I don't think I, I have a feeling that you, the two of you don't often do uh, interviews together. Am, am I right about that? Um, Not our first. Yeah, well, we've done, I, I, not I, I, our first. We've not, done our Yeah, we've done a couple. Yeah. We, we've done a couple. Uh, you, of you have. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess I guess your involvement. With the uh, with the charity has has made that you know kind of possible. I know that for Kira and me, we try to avoid it like the plague. Um, and the problem, yeah, yeah, I mean the problem with it to me is, and I'm saying this because I'm about to jump into this, is the, the questions are just irritating. Um, <laughs> Do you? How do you feel about answering questions about your marriage? I guess that's what I'm trying to say. I feel like because often the interviews that we do together are focused on our 
charity, they generally are focused on our charity. Whereas, you know, I guess in those moments where we're doing things that are not focused on our charity, sure, they'll ask about our marriage. And it's just like, you know, it depends on how you're feeling and what you want to share. I think it's like we do share a chunk of our personal life having this organization, but certainly there are many things we do not want to talk about and do not talk about. <laughs> um, and so, you know, it's uh, it's always like, you know, I feel like it depends on the day, right? Like, I don't know, Seth, what do you think? Yeah, I feel like we haven't, you know, I feel like we, we both have uh, uh, have a good sense of one another's uh, discretionary uh, preferences. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, also like, we come from a place where, like, when we first started dating, I was on like Howard Stern every other year. So, like, there, there, a, lo- a lot of it came out. Probably that, that a lot more came out that I would have preferred <laughs> probably much earlier on. In retrospect, <laughs> exactly. never listened to those. How long? How long have you been married? We've been married for twelve years, but we've been together for over eighteen now. Yep. Amazing! Wow. And and how, how did you how did you meet? We met. Um, I was uh, a writer on uh, the Ali G show in mm-hmm. 2004. Amazing show. Um, and uh, I was 22, I guess, 23, yeah, uh, 22. And my friend uh, Will Riser was a, a producer on the show. Um, and uh, he was around our age. He was a year older, basically. And he was dating uh, my a friend. friend of Lawrence, basically. Yeah. Oh. And um, so, uh, so, yeah, they kind of... Uh, suggested that we would like each other, and we all went to a, a party one night together, and and that was it. Yeah. It's so I mean, I gotta say, it's it's probably I don't know, it's not that often that when you hear those stories, it's I always think, isn't that great that somebody had the had the understanding, the friends could have the understanding of two people to know that they would be, you know, it's kind of beautiful in a way to have friends that would like kind of get get that. Yeah, it's on the other hand, it doesn't happen that often, though. I think. No, I, think I, I never times... set people up specifically. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't want to deal with <laughs> you... the fallout of it. We were pretty young, so maybe they weren't <laughs> understanding the full social ramifications of it. But yeah, I, I, I hate setting people up for that exact yeah, reason. Hate it. <laughs> I so... do it when it's when people are like, oh, "I'll do it with anyone." It's like, sure, well, you're nice and you're nice. You'll have a good time, but it's like, yeah. oh, it's so much pressure. I don't think I've ever tried to tell you the truth. I can't think of a single time when I've ever really tried to set set somebody up, but I would be no, terrified of fit. I don't either. And at this yeah. point, if I know you and you're single, like I will never set you up with someone. Like if you if you've made it this long, then <laughs> I would never throw you at the throw you into a relationship with someone I know. <laughs> Let me ask you something. We 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 uh, are both. You're both. Uh, in the in the similar in the same business, uh, directing, producing, acting, all that kind of stuff. How how often do you discuss the day to day ups and downs and ins and outs of career and and work and business? I mean, I would say all all the time. Yeah, I'd say, say you know regularly. it's it's a it's a balance. As you know, obviously our careers have been different um but i would say the fact that we both do the same thing is something that is really beneficial to our relationship because we both really have an understanding of of you know how it feels for it to go well and how it feels for it to not go well um and you know and 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 literally i mean as as writers and certainly this is a tricky line to walk and it doesn't always go well but like you know we can share what we're working on and give feedback and have conversations and be supportive of it again doesn't always go well but <laughs> that. so i think it's for us it's you know it's great that we have that in common 
Yeah, you know, you, you, the, the word that you uh, used just now, which is something that I really uh, always hold on to, is an understanding of what it is. So, you know, it, like if you go, if you have a, I mean, of course there's marriages where one person would be, you know, an actor, another would be a, you know, a dentist, and it could work out fine. But but you know, for people that are in the entertainment business, the things that seem sometimes really kind of big and hard seem kind of silly to the outside world. You know, like if I'll give you an example, like if I if I go, um, you know, hey, she's like, what, what what's wrong? What why you you know why you seem like you're off? Well, you know, I just read this review, and you know, this guy my age you know just got you just got this great review or just won a you know an oscar or whatever it is i mean to the outside world people go that is just stupid i mean why would you let that even affect your day in the slightest bit but there is a kind of empathy and a kind of understanding about what it is that we do for a living not to mention just the shorthand of you know whatever terms you want to use you know call times and yeah. back end things like exactly that. yeah we, we talk yeah. about our back end mostly <laughs> i talk i talk about her back end that was a softball we uh well no you're right i think that's something that we're both very um at peace with and it and in tune with is 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 one another you know is that is that exactly what you're saying you get wrapped up you know our emotional stakes are different in this job some would say you know the things that we get worked up about are are inconsequential to others but to us they're very meaningful when you pour yourself into your work and when you identify through your work and when you're an artist and you want people to see you through your work and when it's not received how you want like yeah i think i i i could see how you know we what's nice is we are both in a position to truly understand like how 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 painful that can be you know and we don't kind of belittle uh that at all as as my other friends uh do to me when I yeah. <laughs> well, I know I have friends that do the same thing for me. They just they they just don't get it. They just and, and my family members too that are kind of like, yeah, dude, shut up. I've uh, been with the I've been with filmmakers as we've been, as we've been like releasing movies that are breaking literal like box office records, and and the filmmaker is still just focused on the fact that like the tomato score is not. And, yeah. and 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 I get it. whenever I'm, I'm like I get it like I I I, I see totally. I feel the pain and it, and it's and it does because it's and, painful yeah because yeah. it's painful yeah because exactly. it's painful, painful. <laughs> exactly you used yeah. a word recently I want to ask you both about this that I have been um, uh, I'm, I'm coming to a new understanding of it and the word is artist and I can tell you that when I uh, became an actor. I was super, super focused on just getting famous and getting rich and getting girls. That was 100% my focus. It had nothing to and do you, with it. And you crushed that, man. So <laughs> but, Success. Exactly. It, was, it, was, it had nothing to do with, the, with, the, with art. You know, it was a, like to me, Rembrandt was an artist and, and what I was doing was wearing makeup and, you know, uh, saying somebody else's words. But I think more recently, uh, I've started to think about um, art and the impact that 
art can have on people uh, individually, you know, in the ways that they feel about life and the, and the ways that, uh, that, that, that culture responds to things. And even, uh, you know, the political change or awareness of, of, of issues or whatever. And, and I'm not just talking about making films or writing, directing, you know, acting in films that have some kind of great big social uh, uh, point of view. But I'm, I mean, I'm talking about making horror movies or comedies. You know, you can impact people with these. And I'm starting to feel like, well, that's really what art is. That's what it has been. And uh, I just wondered if, if you've ever had any kind of resistance to that concept and whether you have a, you know, a point of view about that. Yeah. Well, you went to art school, Lauren. So I think you were well, yeah. conditioned from a very young age to ex to accept that, which is nice. Yeah, I, that's, think. Yeah. I was going to say that I think like for me, I was I was an art kid in that like from a young age. I was happiest with crayons and paper mm -hmm. and a journal that I could write everything into. And so, and I went then to a, a middle school that was focused on the arts and was in the visual arts program. And in high school, I went to an arts high school and was in the visual arts program. Um, and so expressing the feelings that I had into whatever art it was that I was making in those programs, I think was ingrained in me that I, didn't give it a second thought. And that was like, oh, that's what I do because mm. that's how I feel. And I've learning, I've learned the skills and how to express that through writing, drawing, painting, sculpting, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so for me, I think I honestly never really thought about that it was anything other than that. I, do, mm. I don't think of it as in this, like, at this point, I absolutely think that storytelling and what we do is art, but I don't put a sort of pretentious spin on it mm -hmm. in any way other than I feel that so much of what we do is about connection and understanding and I'm just expressing what I'm feeling or what I'm thinking or what I'm creating so that someone else can be like, yeah, I feel that way too. Or I thought that was funny mm -hmm. uh, or, you know, or I just, I see myself in that. Um, and so I think that that is, you know, and that is generally really what, what art is. It's a representation of someone's interpretation of a moment for the viewer or the audience to have a relationship to it. Um, and I think that's like, that's what we're always doing as people. Yeah. Maybe that pretentious. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> no, it's not. I, I just started to feel like, well, how come musicians get, to, like the worst musician gets to be called an artist? Like, <laughs> it's true. In, they, a, they... Like, in a world where Kid Rock's considered an artist, why can't I consider myself an artist? <laughs> no, they definitely grabbed it. They grabbed they it way it. before, they took they it way it? before we did. You're so absolutely unfair. right about that. I got, You're yeah. Absolutely... I, at one point I was at the Grabbies and just like, fuck it, I'm an artist too with these guys. <laughs> <laughs> Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org.
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash iHeart. That's LifeLock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. I got to fan out a little bit. I can't talk, obviously, for obvious reasons about things that are specific yeah. <laughs> in terms of... But I just want to say that I'm I'm such a great admirer of, of your really singular kind of career in the way that you came to it. But also, besides the fact... That there's, there's two things that I think are really interesting. One is, um, in the 1980s... Uh, I, I, they gave me a production deal at a major studio and I had, I lived in New York, but I had an office on the lot and I had a development person and I had a, and I had a secretary and we didn't do jack shit. We couldn't get, I, 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 I was like, this is cool. I'm going to be a producer and the, nothing, nothing got done. It, it was so difficult and you have completely embraced and 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 uh but you know just made this made this a part of who you are is finding stuff for you to be in finding stuff for other people to be in finding things that you think have value and i just i i really admire that because i think that so often as artists, <laughs> take it. <laughs> yes, we're we just, are. Yes, we are. Darling. We're just, you know, we 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 don't get a. Well, either we don't have the skill to do that, or we don't get a chance to do that. So I just want to say yeah. that I admire that. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was lucky to be like brought up also in like a very specific environment, like surrounded by people who like were very geared towards like producing and 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 i was like shown how to produce and i was shown oh you can like nurture someone in their idea and you could understand the logistics of how 
things get brought to life from like a financial standpoint and navigating the studio. And, and if you're a writer too, that it puts you in like a really special position. And the idea of being like a writing producer, a producer who can actually fix the problems in the material and help fix the problems and enable people to fix the problems, you know, that I get, like I was brought up around people who, who did that. And, and I saw, um, oh, like if if that if that's a thing we can do, then there's not a lot of people who are both, you know, able to go into a studio and, you know, negotiate budgets and deals and all that stuff. And if there's a writing issue, um, they could actually sit down and help fix the problem, you know, and mm -hmm. and so it was. Yeah, I mean, it, but I got I got real lucky in that I was kind of like shown how to do that, you know, who, who um, were those people that you say brought you up in that way? I mean, it was Judd Apatow for sure mm -hmm. was one of those people. And he was brought up by Gary Shandling a lot of the, the mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. And Gary um, was around me when I was younger. And he uh, really like had that. It was almost like a Rick Rubin-esque like uh, mm. comedic figure. You know, it was someone who was like really was trying to inspire others to like create their best work and 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 spoke to them about how to create their best work and 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 physically could could do it as well you know mm -hmm. um and 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 also like would own like have their own shows and their own companies and and would hire, enable other people and jim brooks was someone that was for sure oh, you know man. judd came up under him and he's someone i got to be around when i was younger and he was yeah, almost kind of like is very he's very ge generous in that kind yeah of way, he's yeah. great and he's kind of in a lot of ways yeah like one of the architects of really being like a prolific writer director producer um of 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 people's work in that way you know and, yeah. and like a writing producer in and of himself so um yeah it was it, i was very fortunate to kind of get to be around these people at a young age and kind of absorb uh, lauren did you have that yeah. kind of mentorship yeah a bit i mean I, I i went to film school and so you know it was very intentional to you know work you know as a writer and producer i came out of school actually really being interested in producing and i worked for um, this producer named Steve Starkey, who was Robert Zemeckis's producer um, in the sort of Polar Express and Beowulf Monster House years. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, learned an incredible amount working at this company that was making big movies while simultaneously Seth and I had started dating at the time. So I would I would leave work and then go to set and sit on set and also mm -hmm. get to observe Judd and Shauna Robertson, who was producing those movies at the time. And mm -hmm. um, and so very much, yeah, had amazing examples of people who could juggle, you know, the sort of creative side of, of putting funny stories together, but also, you know, shepherding other people and, and being supportive of, you know, people coming up uh, and being generous and teaching and listening um, and offering guidance. Um, and yeah, it was, it's incredible to be able to have that, um, and to be around people like that. I, yeah, it was very lucky and, and fun time for sure. I want to say to the people that are listening to this podcast, um, I, I probably mentioned this before, but I have zero regrets about my career and my I'm just not somebody that looks back and goes, oh, shit, I wish I would have done this and done. Except for the fact that I never got the concept of mentorship because I was such a cocky little shit 
<laughs> I thought I, there was nothing that anybody could teach me. Teachers, I, I, I couldn't stand being in class because I was like, I, don't, I'm, I got this. I got this. Even, you know, from my parents, uh, older actors that I would meet. Now, probably just, I, I'm sure I was absorbing things yeah. without, <laughs> but I never really put myself in the situation of going to somebody and saying, you know, can I ask your advice on something? And I think that's, uh, I think that's a really important thing for, for people to do as, as young people. Um, sure. I mean, yeah. I, I think having a balance, though, I think that like confidence, though, is key and knowing where you're going is key. And so the fact that you had the confidence to, you know, be like, I deserve to be here. I know what I'm doing. I don't, don't I don't need to listen to you helped drive you to where you where you were and are. Um, you know, I would say that my confidence, I didn't have that confidence. I literally was like, I need to learn because I, I am not ready um, until I was ready. Um, and so I think that you know, it's important to know I should, in some situations, shut up and listen. And in some situations to say, like, I've experienced and I've learned and I'm ready to go. Yeah, it's true. That's what's hard about movies, especially is like, no one's right. It's all just like, who likes what more and like who who feels it speaks to their taste more. And 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 it is hard at times to, yeah, navigate what advice you should take and what what advice is just kind of i'm trying type, to be better yeah. like at this age yeah. at this late age i'm actually trying to you know especially i think part of it is my is 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 my wife's influence because yeah i mean really down to like even directors do i really want direction not really no no one does really... <laughs> <laughs> most actors I liked don't. getting direction when yeah. i was at <laughs> i'm happy not to uh, are you <laughs> are you really yeah i've been on movies where like i i real i'll be like i'll be like it's been days since i've even spoken to the director and that yeah. is like a-okay you're, you're good with that yeah you're good with I'm that yeah see okay I, I okay i'm glad because i don't know that <laughs> yeah. i don't know that I've, i don't know that i've i've really uh uh talk to other actors that feel that way so i'm glad yeah. that somebody else feels. i'm glad i can tell and i don't Listen, talk to the actors seth rogan doesn't director, like yeah <laughs> he doesn't like being directed either just so you know and you, i don't like directing the actors i don't like talking to them. i'm in general like i'd be like if, if i can avoid talking to them i will just let them do their thing you know it's and, that, I, and it, i love it like i want to get in there yeah. and be like how you know let's talk about how we're going to do this like you right. know be like right. that's I think you know one of the most fun parts of it and, <laughs> and 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 honestly like if you take like of course like a technical directing class like in a school like so much of it is how do you communicate with the actors so like yeah. to be on set either as an actor and the director doesn't talk to you I'm like where's the director but then also to be the director and like to get the sense that the actor's like I got this you're like Okay, I can take yeah. that, and I'm not going to say anything, and I'm going to let them go because I know they know what they're doing. Well, you on, know on, what? The, on the Fableman, Steven Spielberg was like, "I don't want to talk to the actors ever about the scenes <laughs> ever." Basically, that's the greatest. Yeah, that's and then the but greatest. then when he did give you direction, it was terrifying because you're like, "Oh no!" <laughs> that's the greatest. That's the greatest. Well, here, yeah, it's that thing between take one and take two. You see him get yeah. out of the chair and start to stroll <laughs> over towards the set, yeah. and you're like, "Oh no." Oh no, 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 I don't, don't let, it be, let it be Paul. Can, we, can yeah. we just go again? Can we just go again? I can sense what you want. <laughs> uh, the That's an interesting, uh, you mentioned that movie, it's an interesting segue the, uh, to my other thing that I think is so fascinating. I, I've often said that I would, I would, uh, I would love to do more comedy, but I would, I would much rather have 
been a serious actor who then gets a chance to do some comedy that have been well known for uh, being a comic actor. Because I think that the transition, uh, I don't know how you feel about this, in the other direction is, uh, is, is, is tough. Um, I think that there's, a, there's something tied up with audiences and what they want to feel from, from you in that moment, you know, as the truck backs up. Um, I, 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 and you've been able to do that to, uh, to, to kind of push past that, Seth, in, in, in such, a, such a great way with, with, you know, really, truly amazing uh, dramatic performances and, and all kinds of stretches, you know, and uh, into different, you know, walking in different people's shoes. And I wondered if that was a, it had a, a fight, if there was a fight to, to do that or if it just kind of happened naturally. Uh, no, there really wasn't. I like it, it wasn't something that I, I always like love comedy and, and, and I was never like someone who like, uh, I thought comedy was really always harder, you know, and I would look at, um, you know, I would do dramatic scenes in comedies and they were always so much easier than the comedic scenes in the comedies, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it, 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 it wasn't, I was always like relieved though. I remember being like, oh, it's like, it's like the scene where like we break up and, and even that was hard cause we would still try to make it funny, but like it, 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 it to me was not something I ever honestly cared that much about. And some of my good friends were getting cast in dramatic films and getting nominated for Academy Awards. And I was very thrilled for them. And I would look at them and be like, that just isn't something I like need necessarily. Like mm-hmm. it, 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 but there are filmmakers that I love working with and I like dramatic film, but um, I, I more, um, I think Sarah Pauly was the first one really who put me in like a dramatic, movie in like a big role in um take this waltz and it was like it was interesting like i remember thinking it was very weird that she wanted me to do it and (laughs) that she could have her pick of so many more Mm. dramatic actors but she like thought that i would work in a specific way and so um uh but yeah i i don't like yeah it's not something i like long for you know right. <laughs> um if i was only making comedies forever i'd be happy it's just uh it's wow. hard you know yeah you know, i'm that's so fascinating i'm 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 really I'm, that's very very interesting um yeah lauren can you tell us about hilarity for charity and 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 what what your own personal connection to this is i, I want to yeah. i want to uh, this is this is why you guys are here today and i want to segue into that yeah um, so un- unfortunately, Alzheimer's was kind of a part of my life. Always my, on my mom's side, uh, my grandfather, her dad, uh, was diagnosed, uh, when I was very young or before I was born. Um, and then after him, uh, my, my grandmother, my mom's mom was diagnosed, uh, with Alzheimer's, uh, also. And then, um, at my college graduation, when I was 22 and my mom was 52, she started repeating herself and, you know, and it was one of those things that I just knew um and by the time uh just before her 55th birthday she was diagnosed with uh i guess like an earlier onset alzheimer's um which you know coincided with when seth and i started dating we you know met when we were 23 um and um and so this really obviously hugely colored a huge part of my life during that time um, and, you know, here I was across the country from my parents. They were in Florida at the time. 
Um, and, you know, I was trying to build my career and in this relationship that was growing and, and sort of get my feet on the ground here while this was happening back home. And just as many people do who face a diagnosis of dementia, we were really scared and didn't know where to turn. And my mom really didn't want us to talk about it for the first couple of years because she felt a lot of uh, stigma that stems from having dementia and um, and I'm sure a lot of fear herself having seen her parents go through it. Um, but eventually her disease progressed and Seth and I started talking about it um, and sharing what I was going through and what my family was going through. Um, and eventually a friend was like, hey, let's let's throw a, a variety show since, you know, we were in the comedy area and and let's raise some money for for Alzheimer's research. And I was like, whoa, uh, no. But then he persisted and I said, OK, and we did it. And that was in 2012. And through that, really realized that there weren't a lot of young people talking about Alzheimer's at that point or a lot of people talking about it in general, really. Um, and other young people were like, oh, hey, I'm also in my 20s with a parent with it or sometimes, unfortunately, younger than that. Um, and I was far from being alone and being young and having a parent dealing with it and that we had this voice that we could use to give other people a voice and show them how to use their stories to create uh, advocacy that was needed to explain this disease and what it is like to be a caregiver for this disease, but also to teach people how to take care of their brains and how to stay healthy um, and also um, help caregivers who are going through it right now and really make sure that they are getting the support that they need uh, to navigate the the very difficult journey that most people who are caring for someone with Alzheimer's are going through. Um, Did you ever get a chance to talk to your mother about it? Did she ever open up about it? Yeah, we, you know, we had conversations early on. There was one sort of uh, pivotal conversation early on. This is so, so funny how I get to it, but I had read early on in like a teen magazine that the best place to have uncomfortable conversations with your parents is in the car because ultimately you'll always have to get out of the car. So the conversation uh -huh. come to a natural end. Right. So I remember one time I was home visiting and she and I went to Target and for whatever reason I brought it up on the way to Target. So in the Target parking lot, we had this very um, specific conversation that I'll always remember, which was mm. when I asked her if she was scared um, in which she told me she wasn't scared for herself, but she was scared for us mm. because she knew what we were going to go through mm. uh, and that I was absolutely not to move home to Florida to be with her mm. and that I was not to make my life that I had been, you know, building toward take a left turn and stop what I was doing to take care of her. Um, mm. That's wow. the last thing she wanted. Wow. wow that's who wow. she was, was really selfless. she and was, yeah. Giving and caring. And so, you know, and, and I was lucky to have Seth there to support me and you know like i always said like i was a caregiver for a caregiver because my dad was my mom's primary caregiver but hmm. you know a lot a lot of ways seth was my caregiver and i was extremely lucky to have him there trinity school of natural health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant. Just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. If you are inspired by today's episode, please join us in supporting 6degrees.org by texting the word BACON to 707070. Your gift empowers us to continue to produce programs that highlight the incredible work of everyday heroes, while also enabling us to provide essential resources to those that need it the most. Once again, text BACON to 707070 or visit 6 to learn more. I think this is a good moment to bring on Amanda Quesada, who who uh, is uh, the senior communications manager. You are the SCM for HFC. <laughs> for HFC. <laughs> SCM for HFC. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us, Amanda. Thank you. Um, you know, there's something uh, that Lauren mentioned that I that uh, I found really interesting when I was reading about the um, the the. Alzheimer's and, and some of the research and some of the focus that you guys are making. And that is in this idea of a, of a preventative lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, this is something that I'd never really uh, even thought about, uh, brain health. I mean, can you d- dig into that a little bit more for people? Yeah, it's definitely one of our main pillars. Um, I think what separates us from a lot of other organizations in the Alzheimer's space is some of the programs that we offer and kind of the pillars that we're built on. So the first, obviously, to care for families and caregivers impacted by it, as Lauren mentioned. Um, The second is to activate the next generation of Alzheimer's advocates. And then that third pillar is to be a leader in the brain health space, um, particularly brain health education. And I think something that people would be surprised to learn is that research suggests that four in 10 cases of dementia may be preventable through lifestyle changes. and. Part of this research is that 20 to 30 years before the onset of symptoms of Alzheimer's and dementia is when the disease actually starts um, and it starts to build. So by the time you get a diagnosis, you've been living with the disease for decades. And knowing that information, we really strive to get education to younger folks and to get young people caring about brain health education so that when they are in their 20s and 30s, they can be proactive in doing things that support that. Lauren, you might have to help me. We have our five brain health habits um, that kind of drive all of our brain health education. So physical exercise. Let me write these down. 
Yeah. <laughs> Physical exercise is one of them. Emotional well-being is another. Um, nutrition, what you eat and put in your body, very important. The biggest one that Lauren talks lots about is sleep. And then what is the fifth one that I'm missing, Lauren? Mental fitness. Mental, Mental fitness. fitness. Yes, keeping your brain engaged. So an That's example of that that right. we like to yeah. share is um, learning a new language. Like learning a new language. Your brain right. learning. Yeah. The, the, okay. the more that you can learn new things and activate your brain in that way, the stronger connections you can make. Um, so yeah, we're very big on brain health, and there is a lot that people can do that they don't even realize um, in their day to day that can help that effort. Seth, tell me a little bit about the hilarity side of this. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm, cur I'm curious about the 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 idea of taking something that's obviously uh, you know deep and painful and as, as hard as uh, as Alzheimer's and and you know uh, at least finding a way in through humor. Yeah, I mean, um, it, it, a lot of it is because it's just what we do, you know. Mm -hmm. And and as we were putting together the show for the first time, um, we are comedians. All of our friends are comedians. You know, Will, actually, the guy who introduced us would put on comedy variety shows. It was kind of like an environment we came up in was was we would always be going to these kind of comedy variety shows all the time. Um, and so it at first was kind of just organically all we had to offer. But mm -hmm. over the years, it has become a much more kind of resonant, like beautiful, uh, like approach to it that 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 again like looking back is is lovely and and the the fact that we are able to infuse such a sad thing with humor and that we're able to able to bring whiteness to such a dark subject um and able to you kind of you know um take people's minds off things and and with a spoonful of sugar you know like um kind of feed them information and and tips and lifestyle uh, you know habit suggestions that uh, in a way that is entertaining and, and maybe a little more lighthearted than um, this information is generally conveyed with. Uh, mm -hmm. That, that yeah, that was never part of like the grand plan. It, it's kind of just who we are and what we had to offer and, and, and it all came together um, in that way. But if anything, um, I, yeah, like I think we've all been amazed at how organically it does go together and how mm -hmm. comedians especially are very charitable with their time and are undaunted by speaking about or around incredibly unhappy traumatic things that's what comedy um, is right i mean exactly. that's the best comedy yeah. <laughs> yeah. and i remember um yeah honestly i remember putting together one of the shows and texting i think it was john mulaney being like you're coming on after something that's like brutal <laughs> And he right. was like, it's fine. Like, he's like, uh, people, he's like, people shift gears real fast. It's, it's right, totally right. not a problem, you know? Um, and so, yeah, it, it, if anything, it kind of has, it, it, it seems nice in retrospect. And like, we had this grand plan to kind of change the tone surrounding something so sad. But mm -hmm. um, no, it was just kind of who we were. And we always, we joke, like, if we were chefs, it'd be called baking for charity, you know? Right. Um, and uh, but but unfortunately, we're not. <laughs> Amanda, tell me about the other two pillars. Yeah. Um, so the first, which is kind of the heart and soul of our organization, is to care for families impacted by Alzheimer's. Um, by 2050, it's estimated that 13 million Americans over the age of 65 will have the disease. And that is tripling the current amount of cases that we have today. And I think another big part of that is that with an increase in people 
living with a disease is the increase of people caring for people living with the disease. Okay. And right now there's already 11 million Americans who provide unpaid care. So what we do at HFC is try to be a resource hub for folks wherever they are in the journey. So whether you yourself have been newly diagnosed or your caregiver who's been caring for someone for years with the disease, we try to meet people where they are through a variety of services. Um, probably the biggest and kind of the core of our work is our respite grants. And what those are is folks can apply. And what it is, is it's either um, a short-term grant where we collaborate with um, a professional care organization. And if you are awarded the grant, then someone would come to your home, a professional caregiver to help relieve you. So it's meant to take the burden of caregiving oh, cool. off the caregiver just for a little. Um, we also have extended grants. So that's like more long-term assistance that you'd have, but mm -hmm. we found that it's just much needed respite. Like caregivers are very burnt out and it is such a taxing job and responsibility. And to even have the time to go to the grocery store or to have a night out with friends can be monumental in giving them a little bit more fuel so that they can continue caring for the person that they love. Um, which in addition to the care grants, we also have a lot of online opportunities since caregivers are everywhere and very busy and we're a national organization. We have workshops, we have our main event every year, which is CareCon, um, which is coming up this February actually on Valentine's Day this year. Um, so shout out to all the caregivers. Um, and those are all meant to kind of speaking to what Seth said, one, educate them. So give them resources and maybe tips and tricks that they might not have known about in caregiving. Mm -hmm. And two, give them a space to just be entertained and to laugh um, and to find community with people who get it because it's a really isolating experience and not everyone understands what it looks like to care for someone. And when you meet someone who does, it's a really special thing. So that's one of them, caring for caregivers. Um, and then the other one that's pretty exciting, and I think we're one of few organizations doing it, is activating the next generation of Alzheimer's advocates. So we have a program um, right now called the Youth Movement Against Alzheimer's. And we have high school and college chapters all across the country of kids who either through personal connection or maybe careers that they want to get into, they have a passion for Alzheimer's and dementia, and they want to advocate um, on behalf of the disease and people living with the disease. And it's a big part of what we do is making sure that those young people are equipped to put that message out into the world, um, to help educate their peers on what they can do around brain health. Um, it kind of all funnels back into that idea of prevention, that if we can get people educated and inspired earlier, We'll all be better off in the long run. Amanda, let me ask you a question. Um, obviously, you're you're uh, very committed to this. Um, what do you think it was in your life personally that made you want to, uh, you know, be in this line of work? As they yeah. say, I mean, <laughs> you know, be work in the in the um, cause based space. I'm always fascinated when, you know. Being someone who that was never a, an option that I considered as a young man, I'm always fascinated with with people that really uh, have have chosen to to, uh, to to make this their their work. Yeah, I think it was modeled for me by my parents. Just in our lifestyle, they were really big on helping others. So we've had countless friends and family stay at our home throughout the years. And I think for my sister and I, she's in the medical field, so she does 
servanthood in her own way. Um, mm -hmm. We just saw it modeled for us. My mom especially was really big on teaching us that if you have the means and the ability, you help others. That's what you do. And I think I learned early on the gratification that you feel and that you get from helping other people. And I felt pretty convinced coming out of college that if I didn't do work that was tied to a purposeful mission, I wouldn't be fulfilled and I wouldn't be able to show up and really love what I do. Mm -hmm. um, Hilarity for Charity is the sweet spot of all the things that I love. I get to uh -huh. be very creative here. Um, I get to help others and it's a cause that I have personal experience with and I get to you know help people who are in the same position as myself and my family. Mm -hmm. That's 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 great. I also have to say I'm 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 so touched with the notion of uh, Seth becoming the caregiver for the caregiver. I, I, you you mentioned that, Lauren, and I just want to circle back to that because I I I mean obviously there is a uh, I wouldn't call it trickle down, but there's a there's a there's a ripple effect when somebody in the, in a, in in somebody's I'd, life. I'd more call it a black hole. Effect. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Sucking all the yeah, light. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it is it you know that's 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 part of what a, a marriage is. That's part of what a family is. You know, and uh, it's, yeah, it was really uh, yeah, yeah, it was it was one of those things though. Like it was so sad and. Um, you know, I remember suggesting Lauren go to therapy. That was a big, uh, that was a defining moment, I would say, in, in, you know, our really path, was. uh, forward, um, because I was just literally unequipped to deal with how sad the situation was. Like, mm. it wasn't like normal, like hard day at work, sad, right, like right. my boss is an asshole, sad. It was right. like outside the scope of what I was equipped to understand to how to deal with effectively, you know? Um, and and then also it was one of those things where like money just helped. And that's why the, the we made these grants where mm. like Lauren's father was just like getting worked to death. And then we hired these people and all of a sudden like everyone's lives was much better um, mm -hmm. in like a tangible way. And so, um, yeah, like this idea that you know, just there's a very like immediate way to relieve the pressure of these caregivers because also like caregiving is also, you know, like the caregiver dies before the person they are caring for often because of the toll it takes. And, mm -hmm. and, and that really seemed to be, you know, what would, was, what could have happened to Lauren's father. And so, um, and, and, and then, yeah. And then like the emotional effect, it had on Lauren, obviously, because both of her parents were going through this terrible thing. So, yeah, mm -hmm. it, it does create this kind of like black hole that you really have to fight against the gravitational pull of, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I want to give, give you an opportunity, both Lauren and Amanda, to, uh, you know, say how people listening to this can get involved, can help. Uh, this is our, our call to action um, to, uh, you know, just see how what people can do. Do you want to yeah. kick this off, Sure. I mean, look, the first thing that can help is by donating money. You know, we are able to fund, I think it's 27% or something of our applications that we receive for our respite programs. I would love to be able to fund more. Um, however, it's not only money where, where we need the help. The simplest thing someone can do is share a story. If you're a caregiver, telling your friends, telling your family, sharing your story on social media making the reality of caring for someone with dementia part of the conversation so that people understand 
what it actually means to care for someone with dementia is huge to push the conversation forward because part of the reason that dementia Alzheimer's research was underfunded for so long by the government was because no one talked about it. In the last 10 years, that's changed. The reality of the situation has forced the government to step up with more funding mm -hmm. in the areas of scientific research. So caregiving is still unfortunately behind. Um, and so sharing our stories about the need for the support we need for caregivers, hopefully uh, will shift the conversation uh, to give caregivers the support they need. So I would say it's donations, it's advocacy, it's sharing our information on social media with a friend who you know needs it. It's sharing the fact that, you know, we have a support group. We have support groups for so many different types of people. Um, and so, so yeah, donating, sharing. Amanda, what else? Yeah, um, obviously donating and sharing. I think another big thing is learn how to care for your brain. I mean, the crisis of care is going to impact everyone on a big scale, the economy, we're not ready for the amount of care that's going to need to be provided in the coming years. And we can tackle that by instilling those lifestyle habits that can help towards prevention. So check out wearehfc.org. We've got lots of resources about all the brain health habits that you can do. We even have a lovely um, recording of Seth. If you want to soothe yourself to sleep with the <laughs> voice of Seth Rogen, you can I do it. Highly, do. I, I'm highly therapeutic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah highly therapeutic. <laughs> definitely have to have um, so yeah, I would encourage everyone, check out our website, find out the simple things that you can start changing to help um, improve your brain health with those habits. And then if there's any caregivers listening out here, know that we're here to support you wherever you are on your journey. Please connect with us either through the website or on social media. We are at We Are HFC across all social platforms. Um, and we also have our major event, our virtual event, CareCon, coming up this February on Valentine's Day. So please join us, even if you're not a caregiver. I think another aspect of this issue is that caregivers feel isolated because people don't know how to support someone who's caring for someone with Alzheimer's. And we've got a lot of tools to even help the non-caregivers know how to better love and support the people in their lives who are doing the caregiving. That's awesome. I, I want to thank you guys so much, Seth, Lauren, Amanda. Thank you so much thank for you. being here today. Yeah, it's, thanks for having us. It, it's really fun to, to, to chat with you guys. And I, I love this work that you're doing. And, um, and you know keep up the good work it's it's just fantastic stuff so thank you thank you thank, thank you. you thanks so much hey everybody thanks for listening to another episode of six degrees with kevin bacon to learn more about hilarity for charity i love that name and all the great work seth lauren and their team are up to head to their website wearehfc.org that's wearehfc.org you can find all the links in our show notes and hey if you like what you hear make sure that you subscribe to the show and tune into the rest of our episodes you can find Six Degrees with Kevin Bacon on iHeartRadio Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts see you next time Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. 
Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.